Well, thank you for being with us today. So good to see everybody's faces. If you are uh, at home watching us online, thank you for joining us as well. So happy to have you. And uh, I'm excited to get into our message today. Much like last week, we really don't have uh, much of any time to spare. So we're going to jump right into things and get into week two of our series um, that I am just so excited about. Um, I just can't wait to dig into these things and begin applying these things to our lives. And um, uh, Christopher mentioned this earlier, but if you weren't here last week or if you haven't been able to watch online, um, I would encourage you to go back and listen to last week's message um, because that was really the foundation of the rest of this series. And so I'm afraid if you don't hear that, then uh, we're maybe not going to fully understand the rest of what we're getting into and, and why we're getting into it. And so um, I would just encourage you, take some time uh, throughout the next day, the next week, go back and listen to that if you haven't already. And I think even today's message will make much more sense to you at that time. But the, uh, the title of this series is The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And so last week, really, um, in the introduction, my objective was to simply show you guys that this is a problem in our lives, okay? I wanted to just prove to you that this idea of hurry and, and restlessness and the pace of life in which we live it today is an issue, even especially for our spiritual lives, and so we began to talk about how exactly we can approach that. And what we discussed was something called spiritual formations. In other words, it's the structure that we're going to put in place that's going to align us with Christ and make us more and more like him. We need these spiritual formations or disciplines in our lives if we're going to be serious about those things. So through the rest of this series, we're going to be talking about these things individually, digging in, understanding them, seeing how how we can practically put them on display in our lives. And uh, it was interesting this week, I continued to dig into the topic of spiritual formations, and I found something very interesting, and that is that historically, um, these formations or disciplines have been broken up into two different categories. And those categories are formations of action or formations of withdrawal. So formations of action would be things that we actively do or, or step into, right? So things like prayer or reading scripture or worship, these are actions that we take that are going to align us with Christ. The other ones are, are actions of withdrawal, meaning things that we pull back from that we need to get more control of in our lives. So things like silence and solitude, things like fasting, things like Sabbath, these are things that we kind of pull back the reins on to, to have some discipline or self-control in our lives. And it's interesting when you think about it, how especially recently in history, we have kind of discarded these formations of withdrawal. What's interesting is if, if we have to do action and we have to kind of step into something, we can do that. But the idea that we're going to pull back and have some discipline in our lives is so much harder for us to do. And so three of the four formations that we're going to discuss in this series are going to be formations of withdrawal. What are the things we need to pull back from? How can we better control our lives and align us with the life and the work of Christ? And so I'm excited to, to dig into that starting today. Now, before we begin to unpack these things, 
I want to give you guys a couple of qualifiers so that we can head into this with the right frame of mind. I think this is going to give us the perspective that we need um, so that we can truly understand how these things work. And so a, a couple of things real quick. Number one, when it comes to these formations, I just want to make it clear off the top that um, there are no silver bullet resolutions here. Okay. In other words, I'm not going to give you something to do tomorrow that's going to fix everything. Okay. Really, the way this works is we're going to step into these practices and just hope to slowly but surely implement them in our lives, kind of retrain ourselves and, and refocus ourselves and look forward to slow but certain progress. Okay. So, so no silver bullet. Let's just continue to be faithful in these practices. Another thing is our goal here is freedom not legalism. We talked about this last week, but the point of this is our relationship with Christ, that we would get to know him more and more and be more and more like him. So we're not gonna be legalistic about these things and overbearing and, and super strict. That's gonna push us away from the freedom that Christ has for us. So just faithfully and, and diligently, we'll step into these things as we trust in him along the way. And, and one of the big parts of this is that balance is key. Okay, balance is, is key. And I want you to hear me here. I, I don't at any point want to come off as, as judgmental or as cynical with any of these things because the whole goal of this is simply progress, not perfection, okay? And so balance is key. How can we implement these things in a good, modest, balanced way that's gonna align us with Christ, okay? That's the perspective I want us to have. And then here's the last thing. And this is a big one. Context is always essential, okay? And, and I say this over and over again when I get up to speak because I think it's so important. But especially with these topics, we're going to be digging into some really specific practical things over these next few weeks. So here's a helpful tip right out of the gate, okay? If some of these specifics don't apply directly to you, then I want you to consider them and just move on to the next thing, okay? Okay. Don't, don't tune me out and, and think that you're not connecting, but just consider and move on to the next thing. I promise you there's something in here for you that you need to be aware of and apply to your life. So just be conscious of that. We're all coming from different places, situations, means, perspectives. So just try to contextualize this as best you can for your life, for your season that you're in. I think that is going to be super helpful, okay? So with all those things kind of laid before you, we're gonna to begin to unpack our very first spiritual formation, the thing that's gonna align us with Christ. It's gonna help us eliminate all of this hurry in our lives. And so the very first spiritual formation in this series is the formation of slowing down. The formation of slowing down. This is gonna align us with Christ. This is gonna make us more and more like him. And this is what our desire certainly is. Now, the first question that you might ask yourself is, is slowing down really a spiritual formation? Well, I would ask you, is this something that we see in the life of Jesus? Is this something that we see on display? Is he mindful? Is he thoughtful? Is he slow and deliberate in the things that he does? Absolutely he is. And therefore it is a formation we need to be aware of and apply to our lives. In fact, last week around the idea of formations, one of the things I said is that a lot of times it's about practicing so that we can execute in real time, right? So this is one of the ways we're gonna do that. We're gonna practice slowing down in our lives so 
so that in real time, that becomes our impulsive will. We're, we're much more meaningful and mindful in the things that we do. I would actually argue that this is the most important one that we're going to discuss because it really sets the tone for the rest of them. Okay? It really allows the rest of them to just kind of take root and kind of nestle into the soil so that they can grow and produce in our lives. Now, it is a, a pretty new formation concept. And if you were here last week, that really shouldn't surprise you because we talked about how it's interesting, really in the last 100 years or so, um, pace of life has not just hit an all-time high, but it has been multiplied exponentially. Like it's, it's out of control. Think about how many of the things in your life are just so sped up and, and in a hurry. In fact, think about how many things in our lives now are literally at the speed of light. Like that's just not something we learn in school now. It's, it's all around us. And this has created an inner desire within us for the same thing. To, to go quicker, to, to go faster, whether we're walking through the store or we're eating our food or we're driving our cars, everything is so sped up. And this is having a wide ranging impact on us as human beings. We talked about some of these things last week, but there are a lot of effects in play that we need to be aware of. This affects our mindfulness. We're hardly, if ever, just present and in the moment. We're hardly really in that type of state. We're always thinking about what's ahead. We're always looking forward to what's next, thinking about the big goal that we can achieve next. We can never just stop, slow down, and enjoy the moment. It affects our mindfulness. It affects our, our productivity. And that might seem illogical to you, but, but it's absolutely true. Hurry affects our productivity. The best psychiatrists will tell you that with work, family, ministry, anything that's important to you, you are always at your best when you are number one, calm, and number two, focused. When you reach those two destinations, you are always at your best. Now think about that. When is the last time you were truly in that state? Like, honestly, when is the last time you were truly, honestly calm? And when I say that, I mean free of hurry, free of worry, free of anxiety, just completely calm and mindful. When was the last time? And the same for focus, right? Just no distractions, no multitasking, no obsessing over the future, just completely focused and in the moment. When is the last time that you were in that type of state? It affects our productivity. Maybe the most obvious thing is it affects our health. It affects our health. We're sitting at a time in history where anxiety and depression and attention deficit are at an all-time high in civilization. And it's no surprise when we look at our way of life, our, our pace of life, our, our perspective, how we enter into these things. It's no surprise that we're struggling mentally and emotionally and spiritually. In fact, I was thinking about this for my own life, trying to do kind of some self-reflection. And uh, one of the things that's pretty common for me, I go through cycles with it, but um, oftentimes I get headaches. It's just something that, that I oftentimes deal with. And as I've gotten older, I've tried to be more conscious of why is that happening, right? Like what exactly is going on? Did I sleep wrong on my neck or am I just stressed out? What in the world is going on? And I realized recently that oftentimes what precedes my headaches are, are difficulty of breathing. In fact, what I notice is I'm not breathing. And, and so I have to like literally stop and slow down and just inhale and exhale. I have to like remind myself to breathe. And so I, I got curious, I looked this up. Not only is this a thing, it's a very common thing. It's called screen apnea. And this is how it's described. Holding your breath or dropping into shallow breathing without conscious thought or consideration. 
It's, it's sleep apnea, but you're awake and you're going throughout your day. Check this out. It's caused by stress, anxiety, lack of sleep, and, and listen, an inability to focus intently on any one thing. It leads to a loss of memory, impaired learning. It exacerbates anxiety and depression and weakens your immune system from being able to fight off simple things like infection and inflammation. So catch this, we've sped ourselves up so much. We got so many things going on that our bodies literally can't even do the simple things like think, breathe, and heal. It affects our health. And now it's gotten to the point to where it affects our kids. I don't know if you ever noticed, but, but for many of us, we're conditioning our kids to live this way. We're training them to be in a hurry. If you have young kids, just every now and again, stop and think about how often you're rushing them through their day. Come on, hurry up and get out of bed. Come on, hurry up and get dressed. Hurry, hurry up and go back to bed, right? Like constantly, we're, we're rushing them through the day. My wife and I were talking about this recently. We got a, a little girl, she's almost four years old and she's so active, she's always doing something. But when it comes to like getting something done or completing a task, my goodness, does she take her time, right? I mean, she is so slow and, and so deliberate and so constantly, we're like, come on, hurry up, hurry up. And then we started talking, we're like, why are we hurrying this girl up? She's four years old. What does she have to hurry for? It's because my wife and I are so sped up internally and now we're creating that in her. That's gonna be her perspective and her lifestyle because it's our struggle. And so not only is slowing down a spiritual formation, I would argue it's an essential one for the day and age in which we live. We need to get control here. We need to take control of this aspect of our lives. John Ortberg describes this formation this way. He says, cultivating patience by deliberately choosing to place ourselves in positions where we simply have to wait. Now, let me read that again, because when, <laughs> when you really comprehend that, you're gonna have like a mini panic attack. <laughs> cultivating patience by deliberately choosing to place ourselves in positions where we simply have to wait. This is what slowing down looks like. What's interesting is, is we're, we're definitely struggling with this. One of the reasons is because in our culture, I don't know if you've realized this, but the word slow, the concept of slow is, is now a negative thing. It's a pejorative, right? So, so I don't know if you've realized how we use it, but if, if you know, service was bad at a restaurant, what do we call it? Slow, right? If there's a movie or, or a television show that wasn't great, we call it slow. And very quickly we get it, right? Slow equals bad, fast equals good. But there's a very important distinction that we have to understand here, especially when it comes to the spiritual formation of slowing down. And that is that this does not equal being sluggish, okay? So when I talk about slowing down, I don't mean to be lazy, to be lethargic, to be slothful. In no way am I prescribing these things because in no way does that align with Christ, right? Which is ultimately our goal. We're trying to point ourselves towards him. And, and that's not how we do it. As we read through the gospels, very quickly, we realize that Jesus was anything but sluggish, right? He was almost constantly on the move, almost always at work, almost always busy in the truest, best sense of the word. And so when we say slow down, that's not an invitation to be busy, or I'm sorry, to be lazy, um, to do nothing, or to always be late for things. It's not an invitation for that. When we say slow down, what we're talking about is being intentional in your life, being intentional, being present in the moment, being mindful and thoughtful and purposeful, like these really clear things that we've somehow lost touch of. 
And this is very much emblematic of the life of Christ, right? Jesus was always so present. He was always so mindful, no matter what was going on. In fact, in some pretty unbelievable ways. Do you ever notice how open to interruption Jesus was? You ever read through the gospels and and see how often he is just straight up interrupted from where he's trying to go or what he's trying to do? It's almost constant as we read through. And yet never do we see him snapping at people or getting irritated by people. Most often it says he feels compassion towards them. So what does he do? He slows down and he sits with them and he talks with them and he heals them and he teaches them. He's always in the moment. He's never in a hurry. This is the way of Jesus. It reminds me of a quote from Dwight D. Eisenhower where he says this, what is urgent is seldom important and what is important is seldom urgent. I would would encourage you to write that down and remind yourself of that throughout much of your day because the problem is the urgent is often what grabs our attention and demands immediate response while the important thing goes right by us. Reminds us of a story that Jesus tells called the Good Samaritan. Reminds us of a story where he's hanging out with Mary and Martha. These things are so clear throughout his life and throughout his work. In fact, I wanna read that section of scripture for you so you can see what I'm talking about. This is Luke chapter 10, verse 38. And I want you to see this, like see this as a picture. I want you to really see this in your mind's eye. This is what we read. Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village, that being Jesus, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. I want you to see that. Seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Think about what Jesus is trying to to teach Martha. Think about what he's trying to show us in this story. What what is urgent is seldom important. We need to be mindful of this throughout our days. When you begin to read scripture and you begin to see these things so prevalently, prevalently, you, you see how true last week's quote was in the book when John Mark says, hurry is simply incompatible with the way of Jesus. It's just incompatible with his way. If we are constantly looking to the future, if we are constantly distracted by random things, if we can't even focus now for more than eight seconds at a time, How do we ever expect to truly be present in the moment like Jesus was? How do we expect to truly give other people our time and our full attention? How do we ever expect to make a real impact in other people's lives at the pace in which we live? We're pushing away from the life and the teachings of Christ, and we need to regain something here in order to walk in it rightly. And so let's begin to talk about some of the ways that we can do that. Okay, let's begin to roll out some of the practices and some of the perspective that we need to have around this. And so what what we're gonna do with each one of these is we're gonna start with a a spiritual posture. 
Okay, and the reason we're going to do that is because I want to remind us that ultimately this is about our relationship with Christ, right? I just want to keep pushing us back to that place. So where we need to start is what posture do we need to have in our relationship with him so that we can understand the support underneath that through our habits and through our practices. And so when it comes to the idea of slowing down and being in the moment and being intentional, the the posture that we need to have with Christ is very simple, and that is a posture of submission. We need to be submitted to Christ. We need to trust him and know that he's in control. See, a huge part of hurry in our lives is is that we want to control everything, right? I mean, that's really what's going on many times underneath the surface. We got to be on top of this and and we got to get this done. We got to prepare for this. We got to be in control. And that might seem trivial, but what we're doing is slowly but surely training our mind, our body, and our spirit to never submit to Christ. Remember last week I talked about how really, um, you know, anything that we do is a spiritual formation. And so when we're in a constant hurry, we're, we're forming ourselves in a way that's not submitted to Christ. So when you think about submission, do you think about running around and getting a bunch of stuff done? Or do you think about resting and, and slowing down and knowing that everything's going to be okay? Do you see Mary or do you see Martha? This is something we need to understand. In fact, uh, submission is actually one of the spiritual postures um, that, that we very much struggle with in our day. Control is one of the reasons. Here's another reason. Listen to this. Studies show that in order to truly submit and let go to anything, you have to be able to let your mind and body be quiet long enough to bring your true emotions and feelings to the surface so that you can acknowledge them and ultimately release them. The key to true liberation is processing and then moving on. See, the sad part is for for a few of us today, we actually do this, right? We, we don't have the time to process our emotions in the presence of God and just sit and be silent and remove all distraction. We don't have time for that. And so we just kind of keep getting wound up with all of these things within us. In fact, we look to the phone or we turn on a movie because we think that's how we decompress. What we're doing is distracting ourselves from actually being able to submit to Christ and truly process what's going on in our lives. We need to recapture this in our lives. How can we submit to him in a good and right and healthy way so we can live his way of life, okay? Now, with that posture, let's now begin to talk about some of these habits and practices that we need to walk in. And just very quickly here, again, let me remind you, take what applies to you and leave the rest, okay? Just take what applies to you, leave the rest. And uh, the other thing is, all of these are very, very, very practical, Okay, so trust me, I'm not gonna like blow your mind with any of these things. But again, we just wanna faithfully, steadfastly walk in these things and see what it might do for our spiritual lives, okay? So how exactly are we gonna slow down? How exactly are we gonna eliminate hurry through these things? The very first thing we need to do is we need to slow our everyday pace. Slow our everyday pace. I want you right now to think about the things that you do in your everyday life. And I want you to think about doing those things just a little more slow, a little more meaningful, a little more, a little more mindful. How can we do this? And let's talk about some of the practical ways that that's gonna come about. Number one, when you're driving your vehicle, slow down. Take your time, right? Um, I'm, I'm one of the worst offenders of this, trust me. Me too. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> 
But sometimes as I'm kind of flying to whatever destination I'm trying to get to, I think to myself, why am I in a hurry? I, I don't have to get there at any certain time, and yet I'm just flying by people for absolutely no reason. So here's a few helpful tips, okay? Try to drive the speed limit. <laughs> Try to stay in the slow lane. Come to a full stop at a stop sign. Just really normal, like legal things that we can do <laughs> to slow ourselves down. Now, again, that might sound so silly to you, and I understand that, but I, I, I promise you this makes a difference. In fact, when I first read this book, I started to do these things. And so I, I kind of was just hanging out in the slow lane, and I was fighting my every urge to go around people. And, and uh, when there was a, a, a yellow, I stopped rather than just flying through. I just trying to slow myself down. I'm telling you, when I initially started doing this, um, it sucked. Honestly, it was brutal. I, I honestly was like fighting my every fiber within my being. I, I just wanted to go faster. But I'm telling you, over the course of time, in the last few weeks, I, this is taking root in my heart. I can feel myself just being more in the moment, being more present. In fact, I can realize now that my mind doesn't wander nearly as much into worthless random things. And most importantly, I'm not nearly as irritable and angry at all the people around me, right? I'm feeling myself slow down and, and be in the moment. I promise you this, this will help you with this practice. Here's another way we can do this. Um, don't rush your everyday process. Don't rush your everyday process. What I mean by that is, listen, if you're playing with your kids or if you're hanging out with your friends or if you're going to the store, don't rush the process. Just enjoy the moment, be present, right? Enjoy your life in those times. In fact, the next time you go to the store, just try this. Um, first off, put the AirPods down, keep your phone in your car and just enjoy the process. Seriously, just like actually read the ingredients of what you're gonna buy and eat and, and acknowledge other people, right? Stand in a checkout line and maybe spark up a conversation with another human being. Just honestly try these things and, and see how it feels to your soul. In fact, John Mark talks about this exact example in the book about standing in the checkout line. This is what he says. He says, it gives me a few minutes to come off the drug of hurry, to pray, to take an inventory of my emotional and spiritual vitals. And when I get up to the cashier to express the love of the father toward him or her, simply by saying hello, asking a few questions and saying thank you, rather than my default of paying for my items while texting with work, while podcasting via headphones, all the while treating the poor cashier like an ATM instead of a soul. Like just really practical things where we can be more in the moment. We can be more and more like Christ. I'm a huge offender of that. I would always put my AirPods in when I would go to the store. I'm just totally distracted to the rest of the world. In fact, I told my wife, again, after I started reading this, I, I intentionally now put my AirPods away when I'm going anywhere around people. And I was telling her, I'm surprised at how nice people are. Like they actually say hello and they want to talk to you. And it like, I don't know, seriously, it kind of just revives my soul. We need to be present. We need to be purposeful. This is what Christ would have us do. One last thing around this. This is a big one. Make a habit of showing up early and just be in the moment. Make a habit of showing up early and just be in the moment. It's interesting that slowing down sometimes actually requires us to be more intentional with our time, not less intentional. Again, we're trying to be mindful, right? That's the whole point of this. So listen, maybe just leave 15 minutes earlier than you normally do to get wherever you're going. Maybe you need to change your sleep habits to where you can wake up an hour earlier than you do right now. 
what we're trying to do is create some space and some margin in our lives to where we have wiggle room. We don't have to you know, fill every second of the day. In fact, what happens many times for us is um, you know, we wake up late or we're, we're late to a meeting early in the day and the rest of the day we're in catch-up mode. Gotta hurry up, gotta catch up. That's, that happens to, to many of us almost every single day. And so we need to create some margin, be intentional about this. We need to slow our everyday pace. Okay. Again, I know these are really practical things, but I promise you they will do something to your soul. Okay. So let's move on to the, the second thing. The second thing is turn your smartphone into a dumb phone. Turn your smartphone into a dumb phone. We talked last week about some of the statistics around how much time we waste on our devices. And that's what we're doing. We're wasting our, our resources of time and attention on our phones. In fact, um, what we need to do is take intentional steps, listen, to detach ourselves from our phones. Be serious about this. Take intentional steps to detach yourself from your phone. 77% of young adults answered yes when asked, when nothing is occupying my attention, the first thing I do is reach for my phone. Remember last week we talked about impulsive will? That has become our impulsive will to grab our phone and continue to waste our time and attention. We need to get control of this. So how can we do this? Some really practical things, and many of these are going to hurt. (laughs) They're gonna hurt, but we need to. The first thing, remove email from your phone. Just get rid of email from your phone. I know you think it is so important and it is so urgent, but I promise you it isn't. You work 40, 50, 60 hours a week for a reason. How about when you're with your family and you're with your friends or you're doing something that you enjoy, you can actually be in the moment. Get email off your phone. Here's another thing, minimize social media. And when I say minimize, I mean cut it till it hurts. Seriously, cut it till it hurts. For some of us, that means completely For others, maybe that means just keeping one platform and putting a one-hour time limit. You can actually do that. You can put a time limit on how much you use those things. So be intentional about this. How can I get some of that time back in my day? Here's the next thing. Ditch anything that gives you regular notifications. If you can, get rid of all notifications. Just this week, go and Google your body's response to your phone notifications. It's scary, the, the science behind it. It's basically a drug and we're waiting for that next hit. That's, that's how our, our body is responding chemically to those things. Let's get control of that and begin to move forward with our lives. Here's another one. Delete every app that you don't truly need, okay? Like be intentional. Seriously, today, go and look at the apps that you don't need, you know you're not gonna use. Just get them off the phone. They're just they're unnecessary distractions. Just get rid of them. And once you do that, I think this is really helpful. Simplify your home screen. Like for some of us, we've got like pages and pages of apps. Like simplify your home screen to where it's almost boring to look at, to where it's not attractive to you. One of the ways you can do this, if you do have a time-consuming app on your phone, uh, bury that in a folder to where at least you have to go through a few more steps to actually get to it. I promise you that will help you. In fact, um, I, I did this. I got rid of my social media on my phone. And, um, and one of them was Facebook. And I, I promise you, I've never been a Facebook guy. I've, I've never uh, it really enjoyed it. And yet I found myself constantly going to it for no reason, just constantly. And I never felt good about it. I never walked away happy, but I just kept going to it. And when I deleted it, it was kind of scary for the, the next two, three, four days that just naturally my impulse was to go back to that spot on my phone and click the button. And now it's my Smoothie King app. So I was just constantly randomly bringing up my Smoothie King app. 
it's scary. It's scary, right? How our body is responding to these things that becomes our impulse. So just get rid of every app that you can. Here's the last thing. Every night, put your phone in a place that is not by your bedside. Just put it some sort of distance away from you so that it's not the last thing you look at when you go to bed and the first thing you reach for when you wake up. In fact, 90% of people say it's the very first thing they reach for when they wake up. Think about Think about what that means for us and what we prioritize and, and value. We need to get control of this. John Mark puts this this way. He says, don't let your phone set your emotional equilibrium and don't let your newsfeed set your view of the world. Just two really helpful habits you can get into to get control of your life. Turn that smartphone into a dumb phone, okay? Let's keep moving forward. Again, more practical steps, but we need to be serious about it. The next thing is devalue your television. Devalue your television. Last week, we talked about some of the things that take up our time and our attention unnecessarily, okay? And intentionally, I kept some things off. This might be at the top of the list. Check this out. The average American spends more than five hours a day watching television. Five hours a day. That's 35 hours a week. That's roughly 30% of the time that you are awake any given day, week, month, year, 30% of your time, you're watching television. Now, quick reset, just so we can get some perspective here. That means for the average American, you're on your phone roughly three hours a day and you're watching roughly five hours of television. Eight hours a day on your phone and watching television. Are you beginning to see how ridiculous and absurd it is that our default response is how we're so busy all the time? You see how disconnected we are from reality sometimes? Let's get control of these things. So devalue your television. Here's, I think, a healthy way to do this. Talk to, to your spouse, your kids, your family about just how important this is for your family life, okay? Seriously, like talk about it. How much of this gives us life and energy and how much of it do we go to just because we're too tired to do anything else? Honestly, how much of it is a good gift of God's grace and how much is it a distraction from what he wants for you in your life? And then just come up with an intentional game plan. Maybe it's one, two, three hours a night, something that's less than the national average and just begin to, to be intentional about how you're spending your time, okay? Let's move to the next thing. I can tell you guys love that one. Let's move to the next thing. Prioritize sleep. Really fundamental, but prioritize sleep. Your sleep. We live in a world where we take pride in how little sleep we get. It's strange. Now, this is one where um, context is super important because I understand if you got babies at home, if you're a single mom with a bunch of kids, this probably isn't realistic right now in this season of life, okay? So, so just keep doing your best. But for those of us who are on our phones three hours a day and watching five hours of television, put down the phone, turn off the television, and get a little more sleep, okay? This is huge for us. More sleep, listen, drastically limits your chances of anxiety, depression, obesity, heart disease, diabetes, and even long-term dementia. They say that this is literally the best natural medicine that you have for your mind, your body, and your emotions. So prioritize sleep, okay? Here's the next one. This is a big one in terms of kind of our holistic view of these things, kind of our long-term vision here. And that is remain patient with yourself. Remain patient with yourself. You're not going to nail all of these things right away. Just try to progress. Try to get better. Try to be more conscious of your time and attention, but remain patient with yourself. We live in a culture that increasingly does not value delayed gratification. 
right? We just don't value it anymore. It's all about now, and if not now, as soon as possible. And that's our perspective with everything. It's one of the reasons we're really not good at accomplishing our goals, because most worthwhile things take a lot of time and effort and faithfulness, and we just don't have the time for that, right? We, we can't do that. And I think what's interesting is this is especially true in many of our spiritual lives, because I think when it comes to spiritual growth, for many of us, we see that as such a daunting thing for our lives. We don't really see the progress that we're making, and so we no longer appreciate just good old faithful growth in our lives. We just don't appreciate anymore. Just slowly over the course of our lives, being more loving and being more patient and being more compassionate and being more effective in our callings. Like, listen, if you get 10, 20, 30 years down the road and, and you're closer to Christ and you're more and more like him, keep going, celebrate that. Like, stop being so hard on yourself. Be patient with these things. In fact, the word sanctification is in the Bible for a reason, meaning it's a process. This is a growing process that we take part in. And every time we see that in scripture, it speaks of it that way. It says that we are maturing. It says that we are growing in grace and knowledge. We're not finished products, right? We're increasing in godliness and self-control and love. In fact, even the idea of walking by the spirit, think about the, the picture that's being painted. Even that is slow and, and patient and deliberate. We need to remain patient with ourselves in order to grow the way that he desires, okay? One last thing, and this is an age-old um, spiritual practice that we truly need to revive in our day and age, and that is begin to practice silence and solitude. Begin to practice silence and solitude. Go read through the gospels. I promise you, you will see this in the way of Jesus. And so it's something we need to be serious about. Now, what do I mean when I say that? Here's what I don't mean. I don't mean to practice isolation and abandonment. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you need to escape your life. What I'm saying is you need to take intentional, quiet time with God. Let me say that again. You need to take intentional, quiet time with God. So turn off the noise, quiet your mind, and just sit in the presence of God. When's the last time you've done that? How often do you do that? This is something we need to regain in our lives. In fact, when you begin to do this, you'll quickly notice how difficult that is. That the way that we live our lives, this is so difficult. It will feel uncomfortable. Your body will wanna move and escape. Your mind will be ping-ponging everywhere. It's very, very difficult. But get into the practice of, of just quieting all of that. Like get control of all the noise and all the craziness in your life because when you do this, you'll finally actually become aware of the presence of God around you and within you. Like you'll actually begin to understand what it means to abide in him. And that's what we want. He puts it this way in, in the book, the noise of the modern world makes us deaf to the voice of God, drowning out the one input we most need. You know, most modern day Christians say that the number one issue they face is that they feel disconnected to God. He feels far from them. Could it simply be that we've allowed the speed and noise of our world to drown out the still small voice of God. I think that's exactly what's happened. And so we need to regain this. We need to get back into the rhythm of just communing with God and just giving him our time and sitting in his presence. In fact, um, I would say a lot of the time when it comes to silence and solitude, at least for me, it's just simply about being reminded of his presence and just being aware of him around us. 
Like seriously, so much for me, it, it, it's, it's about no agenda, no tasks. I'm not ripping off a bunch of prayer requests. I'm just sitting in silence and all of a sudden, slowly but surely, I become aware of his presence around me. Like how beautiful is that? How amazing is that, that he gives us that opportunity? When we sit in these moments, we're finally reminded once again that God's presence isn't a distant theory. It's a, it's a felt experience. It's a, it's a reality for us. And we need to sit in that much more often than we do. A big part of this one goes back to the idea of relationship that I, I keep pointing us back to. Because think about if you never had alone time with your spouse. Just think about if that were the case. You, you never carved out intentional time to just be with that person. So no sharing of secrets or dreams or fears, right? No space to just stop and, and listen to the other person. No private time for other things that happen in a marriage, right? We just don't have time for that. Think about your relationship, how weak and withering and disconnected that would be. And it's the same way with God. If we're so busy and distracted that we can't even spend some time with our heavenly father, how do we expect to have a strong relationship with him? How does that even stand to reason? Why does it surprise us that he feels far away and we can't hear him and, and we feel like we're going forward aimless and without direction? Why does it even surprise us? There's no trick here. It's because we're not giving him our time. We're not just enjoying his presence. More often than not, and, and I get it, I'm, I'm with you guys, but more often than not, even in, in a church service, when we kind of quiet the noise, most of us feel uncomfortable. Like, it's like, come on, let's get to the next thing. You know, we're, we're wasting our time here. We can't even allow ourselves to just quiet ourselves and just be in the moment and acknowledge his presence. We gotta get back in the practice of doing this. Again, be patient with yourself in that one. Be patient with yourself. Try to do it. It's, it's probably not gonna be perfect right out of the gate, but just keep trying to step into it. Give him your time. Give him your attention. I promise you, it'll be worth it. To round out this section, I wanted to read um, an excerpt from, from the book um, for the reason being, I, I can't put in any better words than he does. And so I'm just gonna read this for you. It is kind of lengthy, but I want you to think about, I want you to think about what he's saying through this. I want you to even close your eyes and just really comprehend if that's what you need to do, what he's saying. He says, when we don't practice these Jesus habits, we reap the consequences. We feel distant from God and end up living off somebody else's spirituality. We feel distant from ourselves. We lose sight of our identities and callings. We get sucked into the tyranny of the urgent, not the important. We feel an undercurrent of anxiety that rarely, if ever, goes away. And then we get exhausted. We wake up and our first thoughts are, already, I can't wait to go back to bed. Then we turn to our escapes of choice. We become easy prey for the tempter. Then emotional unhealth sets in. On the flip side, here's the alternative. We find our quiet places. We take our time with life. We slow down, we breathe, we come back to the present. We start to feel again. Usually we feel all the lousy emotions first, but that's just how it goes. We face the good, the bad, the ugly, our worry, our depression, our hope, our desire for God, our lack of desire for God, all of this is exposed and painfully so, but rather than leaking out on those we love most, it's exposed in the safe place of the Father's love and voice. In that silence, we hear God speak his love over us. We hear him speak our identities and callings back into being. We get his perspective on life and our humble good places in it. 
and we come back to a place of freedom. Our failures slowly lose their power over us as do our successes, free to just be us, the mixed bag we are, nothing more than children with our father adopted into love, free to be in process yet to arrive, and that's okay. In silence and solitude, our souls finally come home, for that's what Jesus meant when he said, abide in me. How beautiful would that be if we could step into these things, if we would be intentional and mindful Might we be revived once again to the presence of God? Might we be aware of him wherever we go? Might we step into our ministries and callings like never before? I want you to think about the things in your life right now that actually do allow you to just be present and in the moment. And and maybe there's not, but but think about the things that allow you to just be in the moment and, and enjoy life I want you to think about why that's the case. And I want you to think about how you can replicate that in the other areas of your life to just slow down, be mindful, be thoughtful. I mean, just think for for the average American, if we were only on our phones two hours a day and three hours of television a day, that's three hours back in our day to do meaningful, intentional things like spend quality time with our families or maybe study scripture or maybe just go out and, and enjoy nature or get a little bit more sleep, just really fundamental, intentional things we can gain back into our lives. Again, get that margin back so that every time we're interrupted, we're not so irritable. We can actually live, enjoy, and breathe. Here's something I want you to consider. Where are you most valuable? Life. In this life, where are you most valuable? As a parent, as a spouse, as a disciple of Jesus, where are you most valuable? And then I want you to be serious about thinking about what gets in the way of those things. What are the distractions that are removing your time and attention from those things? And I want you to be serious about creating and sustaining some new habits in your life as you draw closer to him and become more and more like him. Amen? Please stand with me. I want you guys to understand that um, I know none of this is, is super easy. I want you to understand that, <laughs> um, honestly, the expectations are, are, are not super high that we would perfect these things. But I'm, I'm urging you guys, challenging you guys, encouraging you guys to begin to take some of these serious steps. And I know many of these things sound silly and trivial, but I promise you, you'll actually begin to feel your soul once again. You'll actually become aware of the presence of God. You'll actually begin to breathe and just enjoy the moments around you that God gives you. And how badly do we need that? I'm telling you, we, we, we can't step into our callings. We can't step into our true identities if we don't begin to just slow down and be more mindful and be more thoughtful. It's just not gonna happen. We desperately need this in our lives. And so I wanna end today in a very different way than we normally do. What I wanna do is I wanna read through one of the most famous Psalms that we have in the Bible. 
And I want you to, to at least internally, just kind of read through this, kind of speak it over your life, almost just let like the waters rush over you of what this might mean for you and your everyday life. Let's do this together. Psalm 23, starting in verse one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now in need of your help, in need of your strength, in need of your protection as the worries and the anxieties of life come at us. And I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to a place to where not only we begin to consider these things, but we actually begin to, to walk in them that we take serious, even hurtful steps to move forward as we draw closer to you and be more and more like you. God, help us be serious about this. This is no small thing that we might refocus. That we might refocus on what is most important. That we would put our eyes back on you dedicate our time and attention where it belongs. Help us to be patient as you work in and through us, Holy Spirit. Help us to continue to walk day by day in these things. Help us to encourage and strengthen one another in these endeavors. That the moment we feel like we're gonna fall and give up, somebody's there to pick us up and keep us moving forward. Help us, God, as your people, individually, collectively, to walk in your ways as you so beautifully, so wonderfully make us more and more like you. I thank you ahead of time for the change, for the change in perspective, the change in habits, the change in practices as you do this in and through your people. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. up your hands receive